Hello, welcome to episode 241 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. He's James. And that's Brian. And today we're going to talk about Wilds of Eldraine, all the new cards and stuff. We're going to talk about, whoa. Whoa. So, yeah, this is our uh, set review episode. We do one of these every time a new set comes out. Uh, pretty much the same format every time. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us on social media and tell us... Uh, how you missed the old podcast, um, <laughs> uh, 20, the 2022. The only thing good about 2022 was the casual tryhard podcast episodes. 2020. 2020, yeah. The only thing. Yeah. Well, these last few years have all been pretty trash. But yes, especially yeah. 2020. Um, <laughs> you can get on, uh, get on here on uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Discord, uh, X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. And, right. you know, if you're... An old young person email. Sure, yeah, we uh, we look at those too when we get them. Um, so yeah, like Brian said, hit us up. All the all the links for all that stuff are in the description. Even if you don't follow the links, I'm sure you can find us on whatever your preferred social media device is. Yes. Um, if you're looking to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. The first is with our TCG Player affiliate link, casualtryhard.com/tcg. Follow that link on over to TCG Player. Anything you purchase after following that link, uh, we'll get a cut of to help keep the lights on over here at Studio CTH. Um, doesn't cost you guys anything extra and would really help us out. So we'd appreciate it if you use that. The other way to support us is directly through our Patreon. Patreon.com slash MTG. Uh, patrons get access to our show notes, so you get kind of a sneak peek about what the upcoming episode is going to be about. Patrons also get access to our pre-show, which is a whole nother roundabouts hour of content out of us every week. Uh, we're old and our equipment doesn't work sometimes like today. Uh, so we spend a little bit of time making sure all our equipment's working. Uh, we also don't get to see each other nearly as often as we used to do. Uh, so we spend some time catching up. The pre-show is completely unscripted, unedited. We talk about whatever we feel like talking about. Sometimes it's magic, sometimes it's not magic, but it's all for the patrons. Patrons really seem to appreciate it. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can sign up at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Chip in however much you feel like we're worth. We would really appreciate it. Today, oh, uh, mailing list too. Yes. Forgot about the mailing list. Uh, Good, do you think? Uh, probably in September. Well, definitely in September, roundabouts every other month. I uh, get some tokens of our appreciation to send out to the patrons. Um, so they'll be coming out sometime in September. If any of you guys want to get in on the, the sweet give back deals, um, sign up. Help us out. Yeah. I was going to say that the pre-show was uh, uh, our, our other version of CTH, Casually Talking Hurricanes. Yes, this one in particular was casually talking hurricanes. Yeah, so with your host, Brian and James. That's Let's right. look at some Noah data. Uh, we got so, Franklin turtling over off the coast over there. There we go. There we go. Franklin doing his turtly thing. All right. Yeah. So we're going to start with the like gold signpost uncommons for limited. Um, yeah, we like to do these before the set comes out uh, because limited is or typically the format that gets played first when a new set comes out. Uh, limited affects your sealed pools for pre-release. Um, people don't have the new cards, so they tend to draft a lot. 
Uh, so we'd like to get this stuff out there just to make sure everybody has an idea of what the draft format's going to look like. We don't get into like super specifics. There's people that do that way better than us, but yeah. just to give you guys an idea. And like some of the uh, signposts and commons also are going to impact the the rares and mythics in those yep. in those uh, colors as well because right they, sometimes they like will all tie together. So you'll see, mm-hmm. you know, there's been uh you know i first one that popped in my head was shaman of the pack right yep. oh hey we're green black elves and limited and like that card got played in modern for uh, still, uh still display. yeah for a long time so those cards yep. like kind of always mayhem devil another gold yep. uncommon that is like you know uh sees play in other formats so these cards aren't just aren't always as valuable for um for limited, limited. Yep. All right, so what do we got up first here? We got, like, slides? We got slides. Oh, man. Yeah, ta-da. Ta-da. So the first limited uh, color pair, they're all gold, so they're all color pairs, is uh, blue-white and blue-white in Wilds of Eldraine. Cares about tapping down your opponent's creatures. Um, not just actually tapping them down, but also cares about things being tapped or that, like, become tapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so the signpost for this archetype is Sharae of Numbing Depths. It's a two white blue for a two three Merfolk wizard. When Sharae of Numbing Depths enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. Whenever you tap one or more untapped creatures, your opponent's control draw a card. This ability only triggers one, once per turn. So this um. is a. Uh, Four mana, kind of elvish visionary that also locks down a creature for a turn. Yeah, but it's going to draw a card when it ETBs. Uh, I was trying to think. Uh, there you go. Um, it is. Oh gosh, what is? It is like remember Spire Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it is like uh, the it's a groundbound Spire Patrol that draws you a card. Right, Spire mm-hmm. Patrol was a was a three two flying. This is a two three. Like that card was fine. Uh, Spire Patrol is getting uh, retired from the cube because tap a creature, draw a card is better than tap a creature. <laughs> yeah. um, like very blinkable. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. No, this card seems pretty solid. Like if this archetype is reasonable. Um, right, and like this just kind of screams like tempo. Yes. Right, where you're gonna be like tap a thing, tap a thing, okay, hope to win, and like if this lets you draw an extra tapper or like an extra flyer or or something when it comes into play, that's just great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, next up is blue and black, and this is gonna be fairy typal control. Mm-hmm. I don't really like that word. Do we have to use typal? I mean, I. I don't know. There, there was a big long Twitter thing about like why we're using typo now. I don't know, but yeah. whatever. So whatever. It is. Uh, is it? I'm gonna say a Abira. Yeah, I think so. Abira, dreaming duelist. So uh, it's blue black for a two two legendary uh, fairy warrior with flash and flying. And whenever another fairy enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. Yeah. Um, so 
fairies traditionally are like tempo oriented, control oriented. Um, so this archetype isn't gonna like veer off too too far from what the archetype like traditionally did um, back when like back in Lorwyn, and then also rogues kind of did the same thing. So you can kind of think of this as like a rogues deck, uh, but it's gonna care about fairies and do. Yeah, so this is kind of, like, it's very similar to, um, like, Blue Black Rogues in Pioneer. Like, that is, like, that play style of deck is what this is doing. I think the biggest difference is, like, at least on a construct, like, there's not a good Flash one-drop fairy. Right. Um, Right, so we have whatever it is. Uh, the the one one that like mills two cards when it enters, oh, thieves yeah, guild yeah. enforcer. Yep. Right. There's not like uh, a flash fairy that kind of does the same thing, right. but like this is this is exactly how this wants to play. And like from the cards that they have, like I've it's been spoiled in the set. It seems like this could like be like pretty workable to the limited. There seems like there's a lot of fairies. Yeah. And it seems like um, all of them have flash. Yeah. You mentioned something about not having a flash one drop. Um, this style of deck does more than just play creatures, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what you were referencing is like leaving up mana to either deploy a threat or um, interact with your opponent in some mm-hmm. way. And you later on, we're going to talk about this card, but we do have a pretty good one mana cantrip in this set fair so maybe it doesn't matter so much that we don't have the flash one drop creature because we have slate of hand yeah and also like if you're interested in playing fairies like in let's say standard or like pioneer um right we have oh gosh uh the 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 two one flash fairy Mm -hmm. right and if you think about rogues in standard, Thieves Guild Enforcer was a core set card that mm-hmm. led into rogues in um, Zendikar Rising. Yep. So you could very easily see like a rogue or two pop up in right, like very. yeah, like pirate rogue mm-hmm. in what's it called in Ixalan. Right, like that's easy. I yep. think, like in limited, like I said, it seems like they stapled flash on a ton of the fairies, and yep. you're gonna even in limited, you're gonna be able to get to do the thing of like pass the turn, and like I can play like a counter spell or a removal spell or a threat if you don't make me use that mana otherwise, pretty right. consistently. The uh, the other thing to make note of is that, and I'm gonna mention this later on in in this episode also, but. We, a couple weeks ago, in the James Comes Back to Magic episode after my vacation, mm-hmm. uh, we talked, we kind of broke down what the timeline is for Magic set releases, and we are going back to Lorwyn. We are. Yeah, that's a good point. So, in like, in the pretty near future. Yeah, I mean, I think it's next, the end of next year or the year after. Yeah, so yeah. like, you know. Like, while this will still be in standard. And like, the, you know, you could pretty easily... Like if you were like, I like fairies better than the concept of rogues, right? Mm-hmm. Your your blue black rogues deck could just take out all the cards that say rogues 
and put in cards that say fairies and be pretty good. Mm -hmm. So. Yep, definitely. Uh, Next up is Black Red. And this is Rat Typal Aggro. Again with the typal. Um, The the card is Totenance. That's another hard one to say. Totenance Swarm Piper. It's one black red for a 2-3 human warlock bard. Whenever Totenance Swarm Piper or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 black rat creature token with this creature can't block. And then for one and a black target attacking rat you control gains death touch until end of turn. Um, So it's going to be rat aggro. There's a whole bunch of cards in this set that make these rat tokens. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that necessarily like rewards you for them being rats. Like there's one rare, right? But there's nothing that's like, yeah, your rats get better. Yeah. I don't think there's like a rat Lord. Yeah. Really? Which is kind of weird because typically when you have like a tribal theme for an archetype, it's more cohesive than this, but I guess if they're calling this just like aggro with, you know, a rat sub theme, then yeah. Like where it's like, it could just be like, and it could just have been any random token. They just decided to make them rats. Like, and we are kind of in the realm of, um, decayed zombies where like, I don't think the rat here is really like, uh, like, like uh, the rat's not really priced in. Well, I mean, it isn't, it isn't like, like you said, it could have been any token, but realistically you're not paying three mana for a two, three in 2023. Fair. And this like gives something death touch. I mean, it is an ability that you have to watch out for because it's just going to start like murdering things. But I don't think this card exists without this text at this price. No, no. Well, like it's a a little bit priced in. mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there are, maybe we'll see some other rats that kind of are closer to like free, kind of like the decay yeah. zombies. And yeah. like we, as we talked about last time, uh, what is it? Bargain as a mechanic mm-hmm. to sack a token. Yeah. Right. Like we'll get to get to use those. So like, and if you have to like, you know, sack an artifact creature and then get a, uh, for something and then get a, uh, a rat out of it is not like a terrible deal. Right. But like, the fact that the rats can't block mm-hmm. just like there are m- many times that like things in, uh, was it, it was chat, not shadows over in a shroud, whatever, a uh, midnight hunt that you yep. were just like, Oh, like this is going to die and I'm going to get a token. And then you're like, Oh, this token is garbage. Right. Right. Like if you're like, I want to block with my swarm piper and I'll trade and I'll get a token. It's like, you get a token that does effectively <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Right. It's not going to stop you from dying, and it's a one-one. So it's a little. The tokens seem weak, but mm-hmm. you know it could be proven wrong. But if they're like again, if a lot of them feel free, like here's the effect you would normally pay two mana for, and we just give you a token. Yeah. Right. Then you're, um, then you're good. I think at the end of this, we're going to do a quick limited wrap up with just some general okay. gut impressions on the format. But um, a mechanic like this, because the tokens can't block, 
is going to skew aggressive. Mm -hmm. And if these 1-1 black rats that can't block are basically free and just kind of thrown in on a lot of cards, that kind of ups the value of like a trumpet blast. It does. Because all of a sudden these 1-1s that aren't good for anything will trade with something or just kill your opponent out of Mm -hmm. nowhere. So something to watch out for. Yeah, like uh, in that same vein, remember, oh gosh, Exert, Mm where like, hey, that format was super aggressive because there was one mechanic that did nothing unless you like attacked. Right. Right. These these rats do literal nothing unless they get into the red zone. Yeah. Well, we'll give we'll give some thoughts at the end. Okay. I, I think there's a lot of mechanics that are pushing that direction. All right, so now we have red-green, which is um, the default, we don't know what to do with it, red-green mechanic. Uh, That's right. Big, ferocious creature, so power four or greater. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have uh, ruby, daring tracker, which is red-green for a one-two legendary creature human scout. It has haste to Reno. And whenever <laughs> ruby, daring tracker attacks while you control a creature with power four or greater... Ruby gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And it gets to tap for red or green. Yep. So like Brian said, red, green is normally monsters, stompy of some sort. When they don't have a good mechanic that fits the theme, it's always just ferocious, caring about power four four or more. Um, This seems like a pretty decent two drop. You're going to play it on two and then... I'm sh- I I guess I didn't actually go through the set file, but I'm sure in red or green there's a three mana four three. Yeah, or like a four a four mana thing, really, right? You play this on two, and then like you're at four. Well, then you don't get to like you don't get oh, to swing with your three four. Yeah, but... yeah, 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 fair, 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 fair. Yeah, like the generic like or the like the four two like the yeah the yeah. generic just big four two guy. Yep. Yeah, that used to be a vanilla, but now it's like, you know, I moonwalk and then like whatever. <laughs> draw a card. Yeah, moonwalk, draw a card. Um, yeah. And like on some level, this only costs one mana. So you could play another. Oh, that's true. You could play another two drop and then on three, like play this and then a two drop. So you could yep. like double spell the, the turn you play it. Yep. Um, the wording is like. If it attacks when you have a creature, uh, while you have a creature with power four or greater, so like it's not like you could do, like some attack trigger that would make your creature grow. This isn't a trigger. It's but it's when it, the way I read it, maybe I'm wrong. Is if it's declared an attacker when you already have a creature that oh, is power yeah, yeah, four yeah, yeah. or greater. So like yes. if you have a if you have like you know something, something that like that gets. Plus two, plus oh, while attacking. Yeah, yeah. This isn't gonna then get big because it didn't yeah. wasn't declared attacker when the thing was big, is right. how I read it. So like you can't like, you know, if you're gonna like sorcery speed a pump spell, well sorcery right. speed it. Don't like wait till you're like declare attacker is now like pump my thing because then you miss the window for this to get big as well. Yep. Yep, I agree. That is my assessment as well. I thought you were going to say this thing shrunk if you lose the creature, and I don't think nope. that's the case. No, no, I I agree there. It would just say a three four for yep. that for that term, but it's got to be there when you attack. Yep. Okie doke. Next up is green and white, and these are the theme is enchanted creatures, uh, specifically rolls, mm-hmm. uh, 
white and green are going to play with the roll mechanic that we talked about last week a little bit. And the signpost is Sir Aramount the Redeemer. Uh, Sir Aramont is three green white for a four four legendary human knight. And when Sir Aramont the Redeemer enters the battlefield, create a monster roll token attached to another target creature you control. Uh, we went over all the rolls last week. I'm, I don't think we need to go over them right yeah. now. Uh, but this also has enchanted creatures you control get plus one plus one. Gotcha. So, so a lord for your rolls. And that, uh, so that creature that you put the monster roll on is going to get effectively plus two plus two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Being five mana seems like a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. But um, I mean, if you can like again get a bunch of rolls pretty easily. Like, mm-hmm. then this kind of can become, like, a powerful finisher. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you're already, like, augmenting all of your creatures, like, you're kind of hopefully ahead of curve anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, you should... Doing the thing. Yeah, you should be doing the thing anyway. Yeah. But it's interesting. It is funny going through this. It's like, all of these are legends, aren't they? They just can't, like, not yeah. make cards legendary anymore. <laughs> Welcome to 2023. Yeah. All right, what yep. do we got next? Uh, next up is black and white. This is bargain synergy and sacrifice. So the, uh, Neva stocked by nightmares. Yep. So two black white for a two two. So big. Um, with menace, uh, when Neva stocked by nightmares enters the battlefield, return target creature or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, well, and that's that's fine. That's- rate though i mean four mana for a grave digger with menace is above rate yeah and then whenever an enchanted whenever an enchantment you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on neva then scry one no it seems pretty good yeah yeah so yeah it's just like grave digger with like value yeah so yeah i think it's fine um, and I guess it can just get like super big at some point. Yeah, I mean, white has rolls like we talked about uh, on the last card, so there's going to be some free enchantments floating around. And, you know, when the creature dies, the enchantment goes to the battlefield. And if you're bargaining, the creature's dying. So mm-hmm. this kind of incidentally grows as you're like just using your game mechanics. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's. Winning any contest, but it seems solid. Yeah, seems good. Uh, next up is blue and red. Blue and red is instance sorceries and adventures matter. So it's spell slingers with adventures, I guess, which are instance and sorceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the signpost for this is Johan Apprentice Sorcerer. Two blue-red for a 2-5. That's a big old butt on this guy. Uh, human Wizard, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. Once each turn, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from the top of your library. And that would include adventures, right? Uh, I do believe so, yes. Yeah. Because you could cast the adventure side. Right. Yeah. Um, but not the creature side. But not the creature obviously. side. Um. And you could do this on, yeah, um, on your opponent's your turn, turn your as well. Turn. Yeah, yep. as long as you, okay, you must pay its costs. Timing rules still apply. 
Um, <laughs> Doesn't give them flesh. Yeah, very, very weird, like, reminder text. Yeah. But I wonder, again, I wonder if this was, like, people complained about a similar card confusing them. Probably. Uh, so we're like, we'll put reminder text on it. Well, I, like- I mean, it's not, it's not often that we get play from the top of your library at Uncommon. Oh, uh, fair. That's normally a rare or a mythic that mm-hmm. does that. So maybe they did it just because it's at Uncommon. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that the artwork looks like Mercurial guys. It does. Yep. Um, so, like, there seems like there's decent support. And if we can play Adventures, there's just a ton of Adventures laying around. Yeah. So, like, this could be, like, very, very strong in that regard. I mean, it is limiting. So, like, like you could go, like, two or three turns and not have an instant of sorcery. Mm-hmm. Like, usually the, like, uncommon instant and sorcery payoff is, like, I get plus two, plus O. Or, yeah. so, like, sling a bunch of spells and, like, kill your opponent. This is more of, like, a card advantage like grind them out kind of card well it, it almost has to be though if you have adventures right yeah true but like it's just a different way of like built like a lot of times spells in your decks are like you want a bunch of like can trips or kind of like fluff for those mm-hmm. like big like explosive turns and this might be more of like you want maybe some higher impact higher mana value spells mm-hmm. so that you can um like have big you know big board impact with them yeah also like i mentioned it has a big old butt it so does. it's it's probably not going to die to damage if it takes you a turn or two to get some value off the top of your deck and it's going to block yes pretty well also um like kind of goes up saying but like instants are way better with this especially like in those situations where let's say you cast it on four and then you've got like a three or a four mana instant on top of your deck the fact that you could cast that during your upkeep yeah and then get that extra card uh and then kind of like play the rest of your turn and like the divination in this set is is at uh is is at instant speed speed. yep so like that card kind of goes way up in value because like on my upkeep i'll play my divination off the top yeah and then you know draw three cards draw draw three cards for the turn and then like be good all right, what do we got coming up next? Uh, black and green is food synergy. Om nom 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 nom. Uh, Greta, sweet tooth scourge. It's one black green for a three three human warrior. When Greta, sweet tooth scourge enters the battlefield, make a food. You can pay a green and sacrifice a food to put a counter on a target creature, so it doesn't have to be Greta. Mm-hmm. Uh, activate only as a sorcery. And you can pay one and a black and sacrifice a food to draw a card and lose a life. Um, this seems pretty great. It does. Like, both things are things you want to do in limited. Yeah, if you think back to Throne, um, the signpost uh, Golgari Uncommon was the Savvy Hunter. Yes. Was the same mana cost and the same stat line. But way worse. <laughs> like Savvy Hunter was like when you attack, sack a food, put a counter on it, or sack two foods and put a counter no, on it. No, when I think you could sacrifice two food and draw a card. Maybe that was it. But 
like making food with it, I think was awkward, if I remember correctly. Let's let's read the card, shall we? It was like when it blocks, it made a food or something. When it attacks or blocks, create a food. Yeah. And it's a three three. Then sack two food, draw a card. Yeah. Um, uh, like Greta is way better. <laughs> gives you a food. Can be a yeah. four four right away. Like that food can turn into a card. Like, you know, yep. I have definitely played five mana, three three draw a card, lose a life. Mm-hmm. All right, close to it. Right. Um, and I've played four mana, four four no text. Yep. Which this is also that. So mm-hmm. like you have a lot of flexibility, and it's also your three drop. Yeah. And there's also stuff that cares about sacrificing permanence and mm-hmm. having foods, modifying your foods. Um, this just seems really good. Yeah. I expect this archetype to be Dece or Dece Plus. <laughs> yes. So I'm kind of excited for this one. Right, excited well. to see what Limited's going to do. <laughs> excited to play the rock in Limited. Yeah, basically. They, well, yeah. The, uh, the other thing about foods is we mentioned with the rats, they're just kind of tacked on without mm-hmm. being costed in. Foods are, like, famous for that. They're just, like, tacked onto a spell for free. Yeah, they're just like, here you go. Um, yeah. Here is a game object. What could go wrong? Yeah. I don't super remember Throne Limited. Um, really, all I remember from that period is Oko. But mm-hmm. there were lots of foods running around. Had my least favorite limited card of all time. Yeah, what was that? Uh, hey, Revenge of Ravens. I thought that yes. was guilds. No, Revenge of Ravens was 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 that. Uh, was it? Was it thrown? Uh, Revenge of Ravens MTG. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it's thrown. Yes, it is. All right. Four mana enchantment. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, that. Creature's controller loses one life and you gain one life. I lost many <laughs> games to being at like three with like seven lethal attackers. And I was like, I can't attack. Yeah. I like they chump blocked for a while and then I died. Yeah. Um, hated that card. Like rewarded you for being bad at limited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, I think, I think that it, um, that was the like, Monocolors mattered set, yeah. Um, with like the hybrid mana on all the uncommons, or the uh, or a lot of the commons. Just, and like, the commons. I love them, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, there were a lot of like free foods. So, yeah. all right, what's up next, boss man? Uh, next is red and white, and this is celebration aggro. Celebration. So, cele- yeah, we talked about Celebration last week, so you guys should know exactly what Celebration does. Uh, the signpost here is Ash Party Cratcher. It's a red and a white for a 2-2 human peasant with haste. And whenever Ash Party Crasher attacks, if two or more non-land permanents entered the battlefield under your control this turn, that's what Celebration is, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ash. This counts so you, him. You, right. And assuming you're playing this on two, you also played a land. So this is a 3-3 with haste for two mana. No, no. Non-land permanent. Oh, yeah. You're right. Sorry. That's right. No, but like if you like, let's say you played this on three and you went like one drop ash. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a 3-3. Or, you know, on four you play, again, you play, you double spell on four. And if you're 
an aggro deck, like you want to like you know double you you want to go like one two three two two, yeah. And like Ash being your like second two to be a three three haster, yeah, would be really pretty good. good <clears throat> so no, I think that Ash is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, don't think he's gonna make the cube, but like as like a go wide like tokens kind of card mm-hmm. where like your payoff is like you play ash then you play raise the alarm yeah. attack get a counter then you play uh whatever her- like heroic reinforcements get two counters put a put get two yeah. tokens put a counter on ash like you can just kind of like have a bunch of cards that make two bodies and mm-hmm. then make ash bigger and bigger every turn yep dragon fodder yes dragon fodder Cranko's command. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Roused reinforcements. We're just gonna keep going. <laughs> Could go all night. Uh, uh, what the Mog card that vanishes? Uh, Is it a mog? yeah. It's, it's a one-one that makes a one-one. Yeah, and then goes away. Crap! I can't think of what it's called. No, I can't think of either. Anyway, okay, we we lost that game. when he dies. Yeah, we lost that game. Uh, yeah. With it's like not echo. flunky, right? Flunky deals the damage. Yeah, like, but it's. I think it has like van. There's one that has vanishing that does that, and one that has echo. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving uh, on to green and blue. Yeah, green and blue are big spells. So imagine that big spells. Yeah, the ramp colors. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, the signpost here is Troyan. These are really hard names. They are. That's why I'm letting you do it. I'm just like, go yeah. ahead. Go Troyan ahead. Gutsy Explorer. One green blue for a 1-3 Vidalcan Scout. And you can tap it to add green blue. But you can only spend this mana to cast spells with mana value 5 or greater. Or spells with X in their mana costs. So they have to be big spells to use this mana. And then you can pay blue and tap it to loot. Draw a card, discard a card. I mean, pretty good if you like if you're alive long enough. Yeah, right? I mean, like, that's the thing. Defi- you got to be alive long enough. We've definitely had a lot of like, hey, I feel like this is like aggressive thing. Yeah, and this mechanic seems aggressive, and it's like, please get the five mana and get a little bit of value, please. Yeah, I mean, what's nice with this guy is, it'll ramp you. Oh, yeah. into like you're ramping that's the point of the deck obviously is to mm-hmm. ramp but the problem with ramp decks is a lot of times you'll either draw your ramp or your payoff and there can be some pretty clunky draws where you don't get both and this can help filter those draws with the looting mm-hmm. so uh, while, while you're trying to fix your hand and again it gets you from in theory like three to five or four to six mm-hmm. like all yep. on its own yep so that's a uh, pretty all right i think it's Mm -hmm. good i think like i don't feel like the blue green like ramp mechanic has come together in the last few like limited sets so uh i think it's getting harder with how like better creatures have gotten yeah right like it's a harder balancing act mm -hmm, where like you like if your opponent goes one, two, three, and like your three drop is a ramp spell, 
Yeah. By the time you get around to casting your big thing, you're at such a low life, it's hard for you to stabilize. Yeah. The big thing doesn't necessarily stabilize you because your opponent's just going around it. Exactly. So, like, just because creatures have gotten so much better, it makes I think it makes this a little bit harder as of late. Yeah. But Makes like, sense to me. It's fun when it works. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Casting big spells is definitely fun. But, I mean, I guess the last time it was really, really good was, like, Strixhaven was the last time that, like, when all you would do is, like, that whole format yeah. was just, just, just draft teamer giant spells. Yeah. Ah, good times. Those were some really good giant spells. And they kind of did the same thing because a lot of those giant spells had, like, Pay a mana and discard it. Make a treasure so you can ramp into whatever else is in your hand. Or like deal five damage and like put a spell put a spell in your hand. Yeah, it's like dome something, draw a card. Yeah. So, and like most big idiots are good if you can, if you tack draw a card on them. Uh, most cards in general are good if you yeah. tack draw a card on I them. I guess it's, okay. I think that I, I thought this made them draw a card. I was thinking of beanstalk thingy. Yeah, this just gets you there, so it's fine. All right, what else do we got here? Um, we, well, some general we thoughts okay. about the format. Uh, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, how like rats can't block, mm -hmm. so that incentivizes attacking, because if you care about the rat as a creature and not just a game object, like you're going to be attacking with it, otherwise it just does nothing. Um, the celebration mechanic cares about two things entering the battlefield which kind of lends itself to going wide, which is definitely an aggro mechanic. You're not going to go wide and then sit around and wait to find out what happens next. Um, and that Adventures is kind of weird because they kind of reward tempo and grindy play, mm -hmm. which is kind of counter to what the rest of the set seems to want to do. Yeah. There's... And the like the fairies archetype is also pretty tempo-oriented. Like the, so if you remember in streets, like blue, white, like flyers, tempo stuff was just like kind of the only thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And like, if that deck is good, it kind of like, if the blue black deck is good, it kind of invalidates the blue green deck. Yeah. And That's true. like, so, like, those, like, evasive temple flyer decks can, like, sometimes have an outsized influence on the format because, right, like, they're, they're playing creatures that are difficult for you to block, and, like, then they can just hold up their mana and catch, like, that one important, like, catch-up spell mm -hmm. or, like, catch your bomb and then, like, just, like, you know, snowball their little advantages, like, do the tempo thing. But sometimes yeah. those, temp those tempo decks, as of late, have been a little too good. Yeah. Uh, in limited formats. Uh, so that's just a thing to keep an eye on. Like, you know, if you're like doing your, you know, your first or second draft and you're like, I have a blue black card or a blue green card, maybe lean towards that tempo deck, that yeah. blue black card, because they have like those kind of decks have historically been doing pretty well in like modern limited. Mm -hmm. I had a another kind of weird thought, and that was that. The blue-white archetype cares about tapping stuff. Mm -hmm. But we have at least two archetypes that care about going wide. Mm -hmm. Which makes tapping stuff way worse. Way, way worse. <laughs> I will tap your 1-1 one, one rat. 
Okay. No problem. I'll swing with six one one rats. <laughs> I will lose one rat and I will deal you five damage. You are now yeah. dead. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, you do you do have that like tension of like is that for, is that going to be good? Mm-hmm. Um. So we'll have to see. I like, I am like. I don't like the formats that just evolve into like two tempo decks because right. like it just ends up being like blah. Yeah. Like uh, the games simultaneously uh, are like super, like I feel uninteresting mm-hmm. and like frustrating because yeah. like it's like, oh, well, I know this thing's getting countered. Okay, they're yeah. gonna bounce this thing, and like they they play out really similar, and like mm-hmm. you like, there are a lot of times where you're like, oh, they they went like two three, and now they've held up mana, like yeah. my four drops never or my my four drops never gonna resolve, right. like I'm never gonna be able to get back in this game, and you're just like I'm gonna jam my thing into your thing, and they're gonna be like, counter it, and you're like okay, like <laughs> yeah. like they just end up not being like, like the the enjoyment and limited a lot of time is the back and forth in yeah. this in the swings and like if the if the tempo decks are too good they get ahead and then there is no chance for like a swing yeah they just stay ahead yeah all right so for the listeners and the co-hosts we are 40 minutes in so i think we'll probably do like a color or two this week and then probably and split it up Split up and do another color, and then finish everything off next week. Sounds like uh, a plan. Uh, I mean, the set's not going to be out until after that episode anyway. So yeah, plenty of time. Because like yeah. I, I gotta be, I gotta teach my class at eight. Yikes. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So we are starting off with white. We are starting with white, and we have, I think, the splashiest white card in the set. Is I our think so. First card here. This is Moonshaker Cavalry. It's five white, white, white for a 6-6 six, six Spirit Knight with flying. When Moonshaker Cavalry enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and get plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Um, the reason why this is splashy is because I think everybody immediately compared it to Craterhoof Behemoth. Um, there's a big difference between it and Craterhoof. Yes. Well, there, I think there's a couple big differences. Uh, Crater Hoof itself had haste, or yes. like gave all your creatures haste or whatever. Uh, no, it had haste and it gave trample, I think. Yes. I know it gives trample, but like you yeah. got to attack with your Crater Hoof when you played it. Yeah, that is a huge difference because the Crater Hoof was big, big. Yes. Coming in. And um, this is not. But, like, there's a lot of times that like your opponent can soak up some of the trample damage, mm-hmm. but oftentimes if you put like four or five things in the air, yes, your opponent is just taking all of it to the to the face, yeah, because they just can't they don't have that many flying blockers. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I had made a note about here is that uh, flying is a much better evasive keyword than trample is. Um, and for exactly the reasons you just said, the I think the other difference between this and Hoof Daddy 
is that green's the ramp color and it's kind of trivial to find a way to get crater hoof onto the battlefield whether it's you know with a bunch of elves hard casting it or flipping it out of your deck or any any number of ways to do that uh white does not do that though so if you're not playing some sort of reanimation deck um you're trying to hard cast an eight mana spell in your white weenie deck mm-hmm. i don't know if that's going to go so well for you I mean, I think that this card is, like, again, they're, like, three-year-long project to make white commander decks better. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, have we printed, like, kind of an over-the-top thing for, like, a go-wide token strategy and commander? Well, no, we don't have, like, if you're red-white tokens, we don't have a, a big thing for you. It's like, okay, yeah. Moonshaker Cavalry. Because, like, I don't think it's it's not trivial to get to eight mana in any format in white, but I think it's easier to do in commander. Yeah. So like this is just a way for you to to like kind of reward those go wide decks. But yeah. you are right, like if there's like you know, we have seen people just reanimating Atroxes for days. Mm-hmm. Right? If there's some way for you to like stick uh, was it resolute re? Reinf- no, the 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 one white flash creature that makes a one one soldier. Yeah. Hey, if you can like figure a way to stick a bunch of those and like, uh, gosh, the the connive white guy Rafine's informant, mm-hmm. and then some sort of reanimation shenanigans. Right. Right. Like maybe that's like a thing you can do. But I am I am unsure. But this does feel like a lot of like, well, commander players in white need like a crater hoof. Yeah, something to close the game. Yeah, they need a game plan. Yeah, they're sad. Congratulations! Here's your game plan. Here's your game plan. Get to eight mana or cast resurrection. The, <laughs> the, cho- the choices are endless. Yeah. Um, this is a pretty good thing to hit off of a uh, Godfaro's gift, though. Oh yeah. Just make all your stuff huge and smash them. Well, Godfrey's gift gives haste as well. Oh yeah, so it yeah it, then it's just a flying crater hoof. Yeah, yeah. And gives all of your things flying. Yeah, I mean your Stitcher suppliers, Rafines, informants, blah 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 blah. Yeah, I uh, I do love me a good Godfrey's gift. Yeah. So um, maybe this is your new payoff instead of uh, Angel of Invention. Yeah, I think I just sold all my Angels of Invention not too long ago. Yeah, they're pretty bad in 2023, I think. Yes, they are. Yeah. All right, what's up next? Next up, we have the, the Regal Bunnicorn. The bunny. That's right. What was the, the Money Python, the legendary black beast of... Oh, no. Is you that froze. what this is supposed to be? Maybe, maybe. You froze for a second, but we're back. The, the oh. was too powerful. Oh, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> So Regal Bunnycorn is one in the white for a star star. It has power and toughness equal to the number of non-land permanents you control. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Vanilla Big Big is good anymore. Those That was exactly my notes for this card. Um, remember, oh gosh... Was it to say the green-white legend from, like, Dominaria? 
mm-hmm. that cared about the number of creatures you controlled, but it was like that that uh, archetype was like green, white, go wide. Yeah. With like sappy boys and stuff. It was fine, but it was like an uncommon. Yeah. Like, now granted, this gets you on your food and all your rolls. Correct. I mean, slapping a, uh, a monster roll on this. Mm. Oh, we, see there you go. Now you got evasion. Now I've got evasion. Uh, like, it's not the worst thing, but like, not super excited about it. Like, I don't see it having like a home outside of limited. Um, it is kind of an interesting thing to put pants on because it gets extra big for every pair of pants. It does. So I don't, not that I think there's a lot of room in like the SRAM, um, the SRAM decks, mm-hmm. but this would be a cute thing to put pants on because like you put an ethereal armor on it and it gets plus two, plus two, and then you put another one on it or like an all that glitters and it gets math is hard. Big, 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 <laughs> big, big. <laughs> like lethal uh, big. It gets instantly. like, it gets like, gosh, uh, Plus, plus six, two, plus three, six. Or, yeah, six, so six. It is being plus six, plus six at the end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a little fragile for that. But, yeah, yeah it, but, it's I just... I mean, if you're, drawing, if you're drawing a card off of every, every yeah, aura... It doesn't super matter then. Yeah. I don't know, like, it's interesting. It just, like, they couldn't give it anything. Like, it's white. Like, Vigilance doesn't help any of its problems. Flying right. makes it too good. Right. Ward one. I think Ward One may have like done a lot for it, but Yeah. Yeah, but it's I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it like kind of lines up with like current power level. Yeah. Cute card though. It is. It is like it's a pretty sick name. Yes. Regal Bunicorn. The next one we have here is Spellbook Vendor. Uh, one and a white for a 2-2 human peasant with vigilance. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay one. When you do, create a sorcerer roll token attached to target creature you control. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the reason I thought this was interesting is it's um, a way to repeatedly trigger constellation, enchantress effects, or celebration if that ends up being a thing. Yeah. Uh, one one mana for plus one plus one on a creature, and you get to scry to find whatever you're looking for. That seems pretty good for a two drop. Yeah, I mean, uh, in limited, I think this card is secretly a three drop. Oh yeah. Right, because you play it on three, you go to combat, and you either put pants on your two drop, or you put the pants on the spellbook v- vendor if you're worried about like. Uh, you know, some sort of, like, two-damage spell or something. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's, like, a repeatable way to keep, like, getting um, triggers. Like, I think this is really good for that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I mean, it plays kind of well with the, like, Enchantress decks, too, because it, like, triggers it every turn. Like, you can put, even though the rolls go away, you can still put the roll in the same creature every turn to draw your card or put a counter on a thing mm-hmm. or whatever your enchantress effect is. So Yeah. Uh it's kind of like a bad Luminarch aspirant, like where you have to like pay the mana. 
and it, it doesn't stack, yeah. but like it's kind of that same kind of. It's like how good is that first counter? How good is yeah. the first plus one plus one? But Lu- Luminarch Aspirant doesn't make game objects either. Like I think the Very fact true. that this makes game objects every turn is puts it kind of in a different category than. Yeah, I mean we've definitely seen how powerful just make random game object is. Yeah. All right. So what do we got next? Stroke of Midnight. Yeah. Oh. Two and a white for an instant. Destroy target non-land permanent. Its controller gets a one-one white human creature token. Mm-hmm. So this is in the same vein as Late for Dinner, Beast Within. No, I'll um, say Pognify, but not that. Not, um, not, not late. Not late for dinner. Uh, generous gift. Generous gift. Yeah, sorry, that was the one I was thinking of. Generous. Late gift. for dinner is the reanimation spell. Yeah. yeah. So the difference between this and Generous Gift and um, Beast Within Beast is within. they can they can get lands. Right, but you're also the token you're giving them isn't anywhere near as impactful. Yeah, like a one one is way less. Right, like you know, in limited, this is probably better than Generous Gift mm-hmm. because giving the, turning their turning anything into a one one is pretty fine yeah. right i mean yep. there's i mean we remember our, our legitimate business person correct um <clears throat> but i don't like i don't really see a downside of this like this seems like it's on the border of like standard power level yeah i think so like just kill a thing and like the one yep. one probably doesn't matter i mean like anguished on making was a very good card Mm-hmm. And that was three mana, kill a thing, like, dome yourself. For three. Like, yeah. get hit by this 1-1 one, one three times. Yeah. Right, and you can, like, mitigate some of the damage by, like, play Shark of Midnight in their upkeep. Right. Right, so you don't have to worry about the uh, getting attacked as opposed to sorcery speeding it. Yep. Uh, Or, like, in their attack step. Like, just, okay, the thing was going to attack me, like, kill it. Now you have this useless 1-1. One, one. Yeah, and like I think the last thing that you need to think about, not that I think it's going to be super relevant going forward from here, um, but white typically doesn't get to tag planeswalkers. Not a ton. You have like, oh god. Uh, what was the, the one in the white? Uh, destroy target creature, planeswalker, make a clue. Fateful absence. Oh, fateful absence. Yeah, that's right. Like it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Like it sees a lot of play. I mean, this is in that. It's one more expensive, but it's in that same vein. But it also it, it like, also doesn't draw my card. Yeah, it also like gets enchantments and gets artifacts as well. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of in the realm of oh gosh, think of what it's called. March of Otherworldly Light. Yeah, I can see like kind that. Kind of in that same in that same area. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is really solid. Like, I would not be surprised if this saw like pretty consistent like standard play. Mm-hmm. And if you told me that like, hey, this is going to be, um, oh gosh, uh, I might see some like Explorer or Pioneer play. Mm-hmm. Like, I was playing... Oh, gosh. 
I was when I was playing that like uh, admittedly bad gate deck for like mm-hmm. a week. Um, yeah. I was playing Mythos of Netheroy. Yeah. To have like generic answer to kind of like anything that my opponent played. Yeah. Like this is probably better than that. Right. Easier to cast. Like it mm-hmm. leaves them a one one, but like hopefully it doesn't matter. Yeah, it gets swept up by your gates ablaze. Yeah, and like, you know, makes it so your mana's a little bit easier. Right. So yeah, no, I think there's a lot to like about this card. Yep, me too. Uh, last card for white is Were Fox Bodyguard. One white white for a 2-2 Elf Fox Knight. It has flash. And when Were Fox Bodyguard enters the battlefield, exile up to one other target non-fox creature until Were Fox Bodyguard leaves the battlefield. Uh, one and a white, sacrifice Were Fox Bodyguard, you gain two life. Um, this is... Oh, what is he called? Why can't I think of the names of cards anymore? Like, I see it. <laughs> um, the transform guy that, like, eats, um, that exiles things. Brutal Cathar. Brutal Cathar. Right, this yep. is like a flash Brutal Cathar that doesn't have a backside. Yeah, I, I'm, the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because of flash, though. Like, I think flash on a card like this is important because it can really muck up combat. Also, it doesn't say your opponent controls. So you can flash this in. Oh, that's true. To eat save one your of your creature. Creatures. It's like there's yep. a wrath. You, if there's a wrath, you can flash it in, eat your creature, and then get it back. Yep. Or save your thing for a removal spell. And then if you really need to get that creature back, then mm-hmm. you just like pay one in the white and gain two life and you get it back. Yep. Double up your ETB. Yeah. So it's kind of like. It has, like, the regular, like, Brutal Cathar, like, way of playing, but it Mm -hmm. also has the protect your creature way of playing, like, kind of, like, wrath protection. I didn't even realize, like, this thing's templated kind of strange because it's not an opponent controls. Mm -hmm. And it's not a May, so it has to hit something. It has to hit something. Can't hit itself. And it can't hit any other foxes if you have another fox. Yeah. For reasons. Because <laughs> uh, two of them would just like kind of bounce back and forth, I think. Well, it says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Infinite ETBs, yeah. Yeah, I think you can like just. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. Right. Like, I don't know how. I'm trying to think how many you would need to like, you know. Imagine you had like three of these and you like, I might only need yeah. two, but like one has one underneath it. Then you like flash in one that eats the one and then they just like yeah. loop. So yeah. that's why it's, that's they just want you to get, get itself kind of like why okay. rest it, why resto can't blink an angel. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like, so this just, is, Fox is kind of an obscure creature type to it is. exclude from. <laughs> it is. Um, and this is the one paragraph templating, which means if you kill this in response, the creature never goes away. Correct. Right. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the two paragraph templating that if you kill it, the creature just goes away forever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
No, I think this card is good, and, like, it is nice that it uh, gives you a lot of different play options, mm -hmm. as opposed to there's a lot of times they design cards with, like, kind of, like, guardrails. Right. We're like, we don't want you to have a bad time, so we're going to eliminate all the, like, corner cases for you. Yep. So, all right, we've got seven blue cards, and we're, like, at an hour. We could probably get through them in, like, 20 yeah. minutes. You want to do that, and then we'll sure. finish up the rest? All right. Sounds like a plan. So we have, for our first blue card, is Asinine Antics. Uh, That's a great name. It is. Especially since the picture's full of donkeys. Yes. Two blue blue for a sorcery. You may cast Asinine Antics as though it had flash if you pay two more to cast it, so six mana total. And each creature your opponent controlled gets a cursed roll token attached to that creature, so they all become one ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah. You have here, like, Blue Wrath, and it kind of is. Mm -hmm. Or at least, like, Blue, we don't care about these creatures anymore right. for a couple turns. So, yeah, I mean, this seems pretty solid. And it's, like, one-sided. It's not quite a Plague Wind. But, like, if you have, like, uh, two two-twos and you play this, like, you've basically just, like, destroyed all of your opponent's creatures. Mm -hmm. They're just yeah. Like, that's stuck. that's more what I meant was yeah. Like blue doesn't get access to like a wrath very often, and this is very close to a wrath. As, I think as blue of a wrath as you can get. So would you rather have as a blue wrath? Would you rather have something like this that's like a mass polymorph, or would you rather have like an aether spouts? When I said this is as blue wrath as you can get, then I thought of Aether Spouts. I was like, oh, Aether Spouts. <laughs> um, or remember uh, River's Rebuke? Yep. Like, I think that's better because you, like, they get to put them back, but, like, the point of, like, an Aether Spouts or River's Rebuke is, like, you can use the tempo to your advantage to win the game. Mm -hmm. Um. I guess this still kind of has the tempo aspect uh, where you've just like, they spent all their mana on real creatures and you're like, no, no more. Yeah. Uh, now notice um, uh, the um, cursed roll makes it mm -hmm. a 1-1. One, one. It doesn't lose yes. abilities. That's true. So like... I hadn't thought about that. If your opponent has a shieldred... You, you're still, still getting gonna... bonked for two whenever you draw a card. Yeah. So, like, it makes it's a lot easier small. to handle a 1-1 one, one than a 4-5, oh, though. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, like, just keep that in mind that, like, the cursed roll still leaves it as, they don't become le legitimate business donkeys. They, uh, right. they are uh, donkeys with attitude. <laughs> sure. <laughs> DWA. <laughs> DWA. All right, uh, what's up next? We have Chancellor of Tales. It's three and a blue for a two-three fairy advisor with flying. Whenever you cast an adventure spell, you may copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. This answers the question of what what mana cost should Lucky Clover have been? Yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is too expensive. I don't think it this is, is good. Too expensive and too fragile. Right, it just all in all feels ungood. Yep. Right. Like I heard I was like half paying attention to like a podcast and they mentioned this and 
I assumed it was like two or three mana. And now that I see that it's four, I'm just like, I've hopefully cast a bunch of adventures by the time I got to four mana. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to save my adventures to till I can cast this. Mm-hmm. This so, is yeah. not the payoff you were looking for. No. No, like... It might be a fine limited payoff, but I don't think it's going to see any constructed play. But even in limited, it's a little like, yeah. eh, I don't even think it's a fine uh, limited payoff. I think it's just not a great bad, card. Fair. Yep. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. We don't always talk about the good ones. Uh, the next card is kind of interesting. It's a Extraordinary Journey. X blue blue for an enchantment. When Extraordinary Journey enters the battlefield, exile up to X target creatures. For each of those cards, its owner may play it for as long as it remains exiled. Whenever one or more non-token creatures enter the battlefield, if one or more of them entered from exile or was cast from exile, you draw a card. This ability only triggers once each turn. Okay. So I think we talked about this briefly mm-hmm. last week or the week before. Um as just a way to like draw a card for your adventure creatures mm-hmm. while in keeper or whatever. Um, but this is also kind of quarantine field. Mm. It's the same mana cost, right? Yeah. I was going to say it's almost Aether spouts, right? We're like, you're yeah, effectively that's like another way to think about it. You're like bouncing your opponent's creatures and then they have to recast them. But you draw a card instead of them having to draw the card? Yes. Yeah. So you, like, refill your hand. I mean, it is... Oh, gosh. What is the... Oh, uh, gosh. March of Swirling Miss. Mm-hmm. Right? Where, you like, you phase a bunch of stuff out. Like, yeah. this is also, like, four mana get two... Or, not four mana. God, six mana get two blockers out of the way. Yeah. For, like, some sort of, like, alpha swing. So... It has some flexibility. If it sees any play, I think it's like it sees play as like kind of like Edgewall Innkeeper that is harder to interact with. Yeah. But like again, like a card that gives you a lot of different corner cases. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, do I want to do this to like slow my opponent down and gain value? Do I want to use this to like try to kill my opponent? Like, do I want to like, do I want to use this as the worst sleep ever? Um, or do I want to use this as like an overpriced edge wall innkeeper that again, like will also pay you off on your opponent stuff. Right. Right. Like you play, play this and your opponent, like cast their bone crusher giant and you draw a card. Like you're probably okay with that. Um, so this not only cares if it was cast from exile, but if it enters from exile, so this would pay off like soul herder. And yeah, just blinking in general. Yeah. Kind kind of cute. Yeah, no, it does it does a lot. But like I guess <clears throat> it's hard to know exactly what like you a lot of cards you can say like here's how they're best going to be played. And I think this card would be best played like three different ways depending yeah. on what deck you're playing. Yeah. Right? Like Bone Crusher Giants is always best played of stomp something, play a 4-3. Correct. Right? But this could be like, oh, it's based on my hand, it's like Edgewall Innkeeper time. Yeah. Or then, okay, well, on this this hand, like, I want to, like, blink one of their things uh, to, like, slow them down. Or, oh, hey, 
now it's late in the game. I want to I want to exile a bunch of their stuff. Yeah. So like it has a lot of different or like I want to build a blink deck. Mm-hmm. So then this is going to be like one of my blink payoffs. Yep. So it it kind of does a lot of weird stuff. Cool card though. Yeah. The next one we have is Farsight Ritual. Two mm-hmm. blue blue for an instant with bargain. So you can sacrifice something as you cast it. You look at the top four cards of your library. If this spell was bargained, look at the top eight cards of your library instead. Put two in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, not that I think this card is like interesting by itself, but it seems like more and more recently we're getting like a new dig through time in every set. Uh-huh. So, I... like number one, I just was curious how we felt about that. That like now dig <laughs> was... through time is. I was gonna say that. Uh, remember when they they printed drawn through dreams or drawn from dreams? Yep. I bought like a bunch. I was like, oh, it's like sorcery speed dig through time. Like, that's gotta have some utility. It does not. Um, right. But then, now we have like memory deluge and this. And is there another one that I'm like not think, thinking of? I think there is another one too. Um, the only one I could think of the name when I was writing the episode was memory deluge. Um. And they all have the exact same mana cost. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think this one is worse than Memory Deluge. I think so, too. Right? Like, if you're a control deck who it mo- uh, usually plays this effect, right? Yep. Um, you're not often going to have a token to get rid of. Right. Right? And um, would you rather have one crack at eight cards or one crack at four cards plus a look at seven. Yeah. Right. And I think that like getting one card that gets you four over the course of a long game is way better than one card that gets you your best two cards out -hmm. of your top eight. I agree. So like unbargain, this is the front half of memory deluge and like, thus far worse it only like gets in the conversation if you can bargain and then it is basically a slightly cheaper back half of memory deluge Mm -hmm. so like i think like memory deluge is the best version of this card that you have in standard or pioneer right now yeah what about alongside like um oh what's that card the Two mana, scry two, draw two, enchantment from Theros Beyond Death. Thassa's Oracle. Th- th- uh, nope. It's not the. Uh, oh gosh, I want to say like, is it Oath of? No, no, not Oath of Thassa. <laughs> uh, yeah, that card. Yeah, Thassa is something. Omen, Omen of the Sea God. Omen of the Sea. That's yep. it. Yeah, that's it. Omen With of the, the Sea. Yep. Because the green one's Omen of the Hunt. Omen yep. of the Sea. There you go. White we were Omen of the Sun. It, it had it had nothing to do with Thassa in the name at all. <laughs> Ignore the picture. Picture of Thassa, though. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could, like, play that and then have a uh, something to assess. Well, like those blue-white control decks play that card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I still think that, like, Memory Deluge is just better. Probably. Right? Like, because usually if you play uh, Omen of the Sea, you're playing you're it because you want to blink it with Yorian. 
Like you don't want to like feed it to something else. So right. Yeah, but it is it is weird that like they this effect is it rare, mm-hmm. but like they're it we're getting this like kind of like we used to get the like f- three and a blue instant draw two cards set mechanic. Yeah. Right, we're kind of getting these at like rare, at kind yeah. of like a similar clip, but I guess in their defense, um, memory deluge wasn't supposed to be legal when this card was printed. That is true. <laughs> right, so this was supposed to be the replacement for memory deluge. Yeah, and now this card is just going to have basically uh, a year of being unplayable, mm-hmm. and then I guess like two years of like. It is the control... Mediocrity. Yeah, it's the control, like, four mana do a thing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't think this card has a, a a high ceiling. Yep. The next one we have here is Horned Lock Whale. Uh, we talked uh... about this one twice now, I think. It is four blue blue for a 6-6 six, six whale with flash and ward 2. And Horn Lock Whale enters the battlefield tapped unless it's your turn. But the reason we're talking about Horned Lock Whale is because it's also an adventure, Lagoon Breach. One in a blue for an instant. The owner of target attacking creature you don't control puts it on the top or bottom of their library. Um. So, one... Uh, looking at like Pioneer, I just looked at this card and like you just have an infinite number of like two mana bounce a thing or two mana mm-hmm. interact in blue and red for adventures. Yep. Um, Brazen Bar or Bone Crusher Giant, this guy, there's another card we're going to talk about that has a sorcery speed bounce. And there's another card that I don't think we're going to talk about that has a. Sorcery speed, I think sorcery speed bounce mana three or less. Okay. That's one in the blue. Like, they just decided that you weren't allowed to have creatures <laughs> on the battlefield if you're playing a blue deck. Uh, yep. play, or playing against a blue deck. Um, so, like, I think this card, like, could find, like, a reasonable home mm-hmm. in, like, some sort of adventure shell where you're, like, where you just want to have this, like, kind of unbelievable card advantage. Um, cause like this is, uh, maybe let's say tempo neutral, mm-hmm. right? Cause like, unless they, you can lucky clover it. Yeah. But they get to like draw the card again. So you kind of like set them back a draw step or you just kind of effectively get rid of it. Yeah. And then later in the game, you just have like a six, six chillin that like, they kind of have to like ready to go whenever. Yeah. But they kind of have to kill you before you get to resolve your like. 6-6 six, six right. that you drew off of your, like, I don't know. Interaction. Yeah. Is this, uh, oh, is it Warrant Warden? The, like, the, yeah. s- the split card? Like, yep. right, you, you had your, like, is it, I think it was the Warrant mm-hmm. side of it, where it was, like, two mana, like, return, put an attacker on top of their opponent's library. Yeah. Right, this is kind of the same thing. Pretty close um, to, yeah. Yeah, and then, but that card didn't j- draw you a 6 6. <laughs> also, no, also um, uh, what's his name? Aspiring Spike talked about this as like maybe the Karuga decks or the, um, 
uh, Cascade decks might not want to play this, but this is a creature that fo- follows Karuga's restriction. It is. That also gives you like early game interaction. interaction. Yep. And also uh, does not get hit by a Cascade spell, but all, but has like early, early game interaction. Yep. So kind of like a Colossal Sky Turtle. Mm-hmm. So like it has spots to be useful. And like, I think cards like this and some of the other ones we're going to talk about is really going to show like exactly how busted of a mechanic is adventures. <laughs> I think we have an idea, but yeah, but like if you're willing to play like a medium bounce spell that draws you a medium ish finisher. Yeah. Right. Like, Adventures is probably too good of a mechanic. Yeah. We will find out. We will. The next one we have here is Mocking Sprite. Two and a blue for a 2-1 Fairy Rogue with flying. And instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Um, I mean, I like a good Goblet Electromancer. Mm-hmm. This I mean, is... it costs more than Goblin Electromancer, mm-hmm. but uh, Goblin Goblin Electromancer is not currently standard legal. Correct. Um, this also makes your adventures cheaper, if that matters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is a fairy rogue for fairy know, reasons. Fair fa- fa- for fa- fairly obvious reasons. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know, like. We've not had like a really good like blue red just cast a bunch of spells archetype. Yeah. For a while in like standard. And like this is the kind of card that usually would support that kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah, like it seems good. It's probably a little too expensive for other formats just because we have like a very similar card in uh well we have Baral. Yes. It's just blue. And then we have Goblin Electromancer that is blue red. Yep. But like this could this could find a home like in standard somewhere, like some like kind uh, of crazy deck. Electromancer isn't common though, right? I feel like it might be. But I could be wrong. This happened before. I think it is. Um survey says it is common. Oh, okay. It was common in RTR. Gotcha. And it was common in guilds. Oh, alrighty then. So he's been, he's just been a common boy for a long time. Yep, forever. But like in uh, Popper, if you're like looking to... Double up the effect or something. Yeah, to like storm off. Yeah. And I guess I know what your storm payoff is, but to storm off... This this can this can be helpful. All right, we got one more card, but I think there's probably a little bit more discussion around this one, so it's probably okay. a good one to end on. Sounds good. And this is Sleight of Hand. Uh, single blue mana for a sorcery. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. Um, so for those that don't know, this is a reprint mm-hmm. of a cantrip that at one point was very playable Mm -hmm. um 
we have a whole lot of cantrips and have gotten kind of a flurry of new ones recently. What do we think about this card and where do we think it falls in the lineup um, of modern legal cantrips? So it is, um, it's funny that like, um, opt was like not a card we got in standard and right. when we, we got opt. It was like, Oh my God, they printed opt in standard. Right. And then they were like, Oh, we can do one better. How about, <laughs> um, Consider. Uh, consider. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think you have to look at it in like, if you look at it in modern, it is under consider and preordain, depending on which one you want to put one or two. Um, and then probably worse than opt because this is um, a sorcery as opposed to an instant. Yeah. So maybe it's the fourth best cantrip. Which probably makes it not playable, right? Yes, I think that it is. Because you're not going to play 16 cantrips in a deck. No, I I think you're on like preordain, consider. Yeah. And then uh, probably no other cantrips. Right. And I think that in Pioneer... It may be, like, very, like, deck-specific. So let's say you're, like, co- like a combo deck. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see, like, um, Lotus Field playing this card because it you get to look at two cards right away, and yeah. you really don't care about your graveyard being full. Right. Um, well, there might be other decks that would, like, prefer... Like, I'm putting kind of consider at the top of the heap for a Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And then opt and sleight of hand are, I think, two and three, depending on... What you're trying to do. What you're trying to do, exactly. Like, do you value... Like, I don't have any interaction. That's not what I'm here to do. I value looking at two cards and right. picking the best of two cards. Or I have interaction and I want to, like fain that I may have something. So I would rather have consider and opt. Yeah, yeah. So like I could have spell pierce or I could cast my um opt. Whereas this is like I definitely don't have spell pierce. Right. So I think it just depends like if you're oh gosh, um Neoform. Right, where you mm-hmm. just like need to put together A plus B. Yeah. Right, like this is probably better than like opt as a as a cantrip if you would have built the deck that way. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right on every count. Yay! Um, I think it's <laughs> congratulations. Um I think it's weaker than every other option and we already have redundancy with cantrips, so I don't I don't necessarily think that it's reprinting here changes anything. Yeah, I mean even if you think about like Delver and Legacy, like the deck that you associate with having Cantrip. the most cantrips, yeah. it plays eight. Right. Right? Like, that's kind of how much room you have for fluff. Now, yeah. granted, they're eight really, really good cantrips. Right. But, like, I don't think that, like, Pioneer is a format that you could, like, have, twelve, like, play 12 cantrips in your deck. No. And, like, I mean, there's... There's an argument that you could say that Lorien Revealed 
mm-hmm. is better than sleight of hand. That's true. Right? Like, a lot of times, like, you play cantrips to let you cut your land count. Yep. And Lorian Revealed always lets you hit your second land if you have a right. land. Where sleight of hand or, uh, well, where sleight of hand might not. So, like, Lorian Revealed might be ahead of sleight of hand. Yeah. So, in, in modern at least. So, yeah, two or three in Pioneer, depending on your situation, and, like, still not playable in Modern. Yep. And uh, if you are looking to get some sleight of hands, uh, there's way better art. Oh, yeah. No, this art's not great. Um, I mean, Crazy I'm guy not, in a big hat. Yeah, like, I'm not, like, hating on the, uh, hating on the artist. Like, a fine piece... Mm-hmm. But, like, the portal art, it's a guy, like, stealing the scroll. Yeah. Or the, like, you know, the woman doing the John Cena. Nothing. <laughs> you can't see me. Like, like way better. Like, just get that thing in black border and we're set. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, the, the Eternal Masters art. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Art ranking. This is This is ahead of the Eternal <laughs> Masters art. Uh, and I wasn't expecting an art ranking today. I just figured we'd talk about it in the formats it was legal in. Yeah, but hey, but here just, we are. I mean, in and then in standard, like, do we have opt-in standard? We do, right? Or no? We have consider mm. for sure. Yeah, but like, yeah. Uh, if you are uh, an opt gamer, you may. Um, want to um uh like you know this this might be your time here let's see is it currently standard legal are you standard legal survey says gatherer um it is legal in It is not legal and standard. They don't even list standard as a format, so it must not even be like <laughs> printed okay. in the format. Yeah, the last time it was printed was um, Core Twenty One, I do believe. Yeah. So, right, if you're someone who likes to play a lot of cantrips, like you could consider plus sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. I also. Also think that much like Miss uh, Memory Deluge, this was supposed to be our one standard cantrip, probably. Uh, but consider still hanging around. Mm-hmm. So there's probably gonna, we're gonna have like a year of like two one mana standard cantrips. I mean, Until I could rotation at least. Yeah, and I mean, I could definitely see like if you're playing fairies, and you are kind of short of things to do on one. Like playing sleight of hand to fill that hole. So, yeah. All right. We got to blue. I think that's a pretty good place to stop. All right. We did, so, uh, the signposts, white and blue. Yeah. So, we'll so, it up next week. As we say, with that, I think we got a show. We got a show. Um, so, if you want to reach out to us and uh, um, say hey, talk again, talk about the old, the old podcast. Or you do have the ability to suggest a black, red, green, or colorless card 
that we that could true. that we could talk that we could add to the list between now and uh, and next recording. And if you're a patron, I mean, you already know what's coming. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier. But if you have something that you're like, oh hey, I saw this card and thought it was super cool. Now's the time. Yep. Now's the time. We only made it to like, we, I think we only made it through. What's that? Uh, seven. Like twenty-five cards. So we still have like so thirty was, left. Yeah, we still got thirty. Thirty left. So, yeah. If you got anything that you want us to talk about, hit us up. Yeah. Um, if we're looking to support the show, there's a couple different ways you can do it. The first is with our TCG Player affiliate link, uh, casualtryhard.com/tcg. Uh, follow that link on over to TCG Player. Anything you purchase will help support the show. We would really appreciate it. If you want to support us more directly, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg is where you can do that. You can chip a couple bucks in, however much you feel like we're worth. If you think we're doing a good job, you can contribute that way. Uh, patrons get access to our show notes. They get access to our pre-show. And you get put on my mailing list for when I have cool swag to send out. Uh, if any of that sounds good, or if you just really like the job we do and want to show us your support, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Hook yeah. us up. All right. So with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. Bye.